0: It's hard to think of a single part of your life that doesn't rely on industrial chemicals like ammonia, methanol, and ethylene. They're crucial feedstocks for over a dozen different sectors, from healthcare, agriculture, and construction, to packaging, cars, and textiles. But these chemicals all have a carbon footprint. In fact, the global chemical industry makes up about 4% of global greenhouse gas emissions. A report from the University of Tokyo and consultancy company Systemic has found ways for the global chemical industry to hit net zero well before 2050 and maybe even become carbon negative. Cosmos spoke to one of the report's co-authors, Daisuke Kanazawa, about how the global chemical industry can decarbonize. Welcome to Cosmos Insights, where our newsroom journalists talk with the researchers who are changing our world. My name is Ellen Fidian. Why is it hard for the global chemical industry to decarbonize?
1: Okay, um, so each industry has its own uh, challenges and mm-hmm. they are some are easier and others are more difficult to decarbonize. Well, some industries uh, switching to renewable electricity will be enough to decarbonize, but the uh, chemical industry is not uh, one of them. So uh, let me pick uh, three reasons uh, that are placing the uh, chemical industry in the uh, among the hard, what they call hard bait industries. Mm-hmm. So the uh, first factor is the uh, most chemical products contain carbon. So... Chemical products in general, not only aren't plastics, but they they include uh, synthetic textile, rubber, detergent, adhesives, paints, and so on. And at the end of life, uh, a lot of them are incinerated today and emit CO2. And that's the uh, fundamental issue. Um, Recycling is important to prevent uh, incineration but uh, we won't be able to recycle 100%. So when uh, pinko products are incinerated, the CEO needs to be captured and either stored underground or recycled back. But the uh, incinerators today are not uh, equipped with this uh, capturing uh, facility. Another solution to this uh, incineration is to use uh, raw material that is uh, bio-based instead of petroleum. If you use a bio-based material, that is, plants, when plants grow up, they absorb CO2 from the atmosphere. So when the chemical products produced from bio-based raw material are incinerated, it sends back the CO2 that was in the uh, air atmosphere in the first place. So the absorption and the emission, they cancel out. The challenge with the uh, the uh, the biobased material is scarce and difficult to obtain in a large scale in a sustainable manner. So this is why dealing with the uh, carbon embedded in the uh, chemical products is difficult. So that's the uh, first factor. The second factor is the uh, chemical products are diverse. Take uh, plastics, for example. Um, there are so many different types of plastics, PET, polyethylene, polypropylene, polystyrene, polycarbonate, and so on. And they need to be uh, separated for recycling. Otherwise, the quality goes down. And also, when producing new plastics, each um, each plastic needs a new production process or new raw material of its own to reach net zero. And that's been a challenge. Um, There are so many different types of uh, so many different plastics and each plastic has a, a different characteristic the chemical industry has developed so many different types to respond to the uh, different needs from the market but the, this has uh, seemed to uh, backfired so it's the industry's responsibility to find a way to separate and recycle these plastics and the third factor is the uh, some production process like uh, naphtha cracking? You have to raise the temperature to eight hundred to one thousand degrees Celsius, and it's not so easy to do this in a electri- electrified process. And the chemical industry is trying, but it's been a challenge. So these are the uh, three factors, in my view, that are making the chemical industry's decarbonization particularly difficult.
0: It's interesting when we talk about greenhouse gases, people think, oh, it's just burning things for electricity. But carbon can go into so many other products and come out in so many other ways as well, which is really tricky.
1: Yeah, that's right. So embedded carbon is, the, uh, you know, the biggest challenge for the chemical industry.
0: That makes sense. What processes and materials are going to be most useful in the future to help the chemical industry decarbonize.
1: Okay, um, for chemicals, uh, let me pick uh, two chemicals. Mm-hmm. One is ammonia and the other is methanol. Ammonia today is uh, used mostly to produce fertilisers. Mm-hmm. In future, it will be used for fuel to replace uh, petroleum as well. If ammonia is produced from uh, green hydrogen, it becomes uh, ammonia becomes a green fuel and can power the uh, long-haul shipping as well as uh, some power plants. And unlike hydrogen, ammonia is easy to liquefy or turn into liquid and carry in a ship from, uh, for example, Australia to Japan. So that's ammonia. And the second chemical is uh, methanol and processes involving methanol. Methanol, we believe, can replace naphtha or petroleum as the uh, platform chemical. What I mean by the uh, platform chemical is this. The uh, methanol can be produced from so many different raw materials. And from methanol, you can produce most of today's chemical products. And that's why the platform, for example, Uh, Methanol can be produced from CO2 or from uh, mixed plastics that cannot be recycled or biogas. In other words, uh, methanol can be produced from raw materials that would otherwise increase CO2 in the atmosphere. So methanol will be at the uh, center of sustainable chemical production pathways, but uh, nothing is perfect and there are challenges, um, and we need innovation here. Uh, for one thing, uh, the production cost from CO2 or mixed plastics to methanol today is very high. And the the second issue or challenge is um, certain types of chemicals are difficult to produce today from methanol, namely uh, aromatics, benzene, toluene, and xylenes. And scientists and engineers are working hard on these. So anyway, uh, these are the uh, two chemicals and the chemical processes that are useful to decarbonize the chemical industry.
0: Right. So ammonia can be burnt as a fuel?
1: Yes, without producing CO2.
0: Right. So that wouldn't produce CO2. Would it produce any other greenhouse gases or pollutants?
1: It produces, um, in chemical equations, it produces nitrogen and water mm-hmm. if you produce in a undesirable manner it could produce uh, nitrous oxide or and that's a potent uh, uh greenhouse gas so we need to be sure that the uh the the combustion process doesn't produce uh undesired uh byproduct
0: that's cool so it's possible to to produce it well, it's possible to combust it completely cleanly but It's not necessarily the case.
1: So the technology isn't uh, there yet. Right. And the engineers are working on this to make sure that the the ignition or the combustion process is stable without the uh, undesired uh, byproducts.
0: Right. We hear a lot about the circular economy. Why is the circular economy important for the chemical industry in particular?
1: Today, the uh, supply chain of the uh, chemical products is predominantly linear. Mm -hmm. Take uh, plastics, for example. The supply chain looks like this. You first extract petroleum Mm -hmm. and then produce plastics and use them. And at the end of life, you mostly incinerate or landfill them. And only 10% goes back to recycling today. At the beginning of the supply chain, when you extract petroleum, you emit CO2 and methane. Methane is another GHG. At the end of the supply chain, when you incinerate, you emit CO2. So at the both ends of supply chain, you emit CO2. And more recycling will reduce the uh, incineration at one end, and also reduce the need of the extraction of petroleum at the other end. So that's how uh, recycling is important for GHG reduction for the chemical industry supply chain. The other less obvious reason why circular economy is important is that uh, there is more to circular economy than just recycling. In a broader sense, uh, circular economy includes uh, reduce, reuse, and replace, or substitute. Reduce means uh, reduction of over-packaging. Reuse means uh, reusing plastic containers a number of times and substitute mean, or replacing means of replacing plastic bottles with, with um, paper or, or metal containers. All of these will reduce the demand of plastics and this really hurts the uh, chemical industry. Plastics are convenient and they support our modern day lives. So chemical companies have been working hard to uh, make them cheaper and produce more. And they probably overdid it. They made the plastics uh, too cheap and too available. Again, their past effort seems to be uh, backfiring now. Um, If the uh, demand of the uh, plastics goes down as a result of the uh, broader circular economy, This will reduce the uh, GHG emissions from petroleum extraction and the incineration at both ends of the supply chain, as I talked earlier. In addition to that, um, I talked earlier about uh, how methanol will be important. With the uh, reduced demand for plastics, you don't have to build as many new methanol plants. Also, I talked earlier about the uh, bio-based raw material instead of uh, petroleum. And again, with the reduced demand of plastics, so you don't need as much bio-based raw material, which is sometimes difficult to obtain in a sustainable manner. So these are why circular economies are important for the chemical industry's carbonisation.
0: Right. So because demand will be less, it will be easier to transfer to more renewable resources?
1: The investment will be less. And the the material requirement, sustainable material requirement will also be
0: less. Right. Do you think the industry will be able to get to net zero emissions by 2050?
1: I think it's quite possible. At the end of the day, it depends on how the chemical industry, as well as the government and the uh, supply chain customers and the consumers at the end of the supply chain act together. But I think it's quite possible if you look at the uh, competitive strategy in the uh, chemical industry. Uh, What what I mean by that is um, today, the raw material or the petroleum is abundant, Mm -hmm. but that needs to be replaced with uh, recycled or bio-based material, which is more scarce and more expensive. Chemical industry today has a number of production plants, production factories, based on petroleum, and they need to be replaced with uh, methanol factories, for example, and it takes investment and that's expensive. But society in general uh, is not ready to pay for the additional cost today. As a result, uh, what's taking place right now in the chemical industry is chemical companies are looking at each other to see which company, who will make the uh, first step to change their production plan to produce uh, something more expensive, but more sustainable. They are looking because uh, a move like this is risky when the uh, society isn't quite ready. But as the pressure for decarbonization mounts, quite soon the uh, tipping point will arrive, tipping point to change from looking to acting. As I said earlier, the um, raw materials need to be replaced with recycled or bio-based, but the supply is limited. And the, uh, in general, securing supply is on a first come first uh, basis, just like uh, securing, securing uh, lithium sources for electric vehicles production. So the situation the chemical industry is in is like the uh, game of musical chairs you know what this is there there are 10 people and there are only nine chairs Mm -hmm. and when the music stops people jump at the chairs and one person gets pushed out and the it's like this because the uh the supply of recycled or recycled or bio-based material is limited and the music is about to stop because of the mounting pressure to decarbonize So the winning strategy, obviously, is not looking at each other, but jumping at the uh, scarce resources. So smart CEOs will soon recognize the situation and they will start to make changes in their production plan, thereby creating the uh, tipping point for the chemical industry. So that's how I believe the, the net zero transition is quite possible for the chemical industry by 2050.
0: That's really good to hear. Well, thank you very much for this. No problem. You can read more about the Planet Positive Chemicals report on our website, cosmosmagazine.com. This podcast is produced by the Royal Institution of Australia in Adelaide on Ghana land. The Royal Institution of Australia is a not-for-profit whose mission is to communicate science widely as the key to a better world. We do this through our stories, which are turned into educational resources teaching the scientists of tomorrow about the science of today in classrooms across Australia. Support us by subscribing to Cosmos Magazine, Australia's leading print science magazine, and Cosmos Weekly, its sister e-publication.